Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the favorites, the podcast. All right, thanks, Chad. I'm Chad Millman. Okay, and joining me today, he's not done. Are my beautiful baby boys, <laughs> Blackjack, Fletcher, <laughs> and Paula Duca. Thanks for that intro, Chad. It's the first contact we've had in quite a while. Um, <laughs> uh. As Chad mentioned, joining me today is the one and only an American original, Paul LaDuca. Paulie, how we doing? Uh, we're doing absolutely wonderful since I haven't won a bet since Vietnam. But other than that, <laughs> we're doing okay. Wait, do you mean just since the time period of Vietnam or were you yeah, betting it, on the Vietnam War? If I bet on the Vietnam War, we would have lost. I'd have lost. Paul, we did lose. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I would have bet on the United States. We're off to a hot start. I mean, like, um. it is, it, 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 ever since, like, no exaggeration, ever since that Purdue game, I, I, I just, I, I, you talk about, like, uh, our people in our company, Worldwide Wob, uh, Lauren Joffe, they love, they love car chases. I love chasing and gambling, and I'm chasing so bad right now, it's ridiculous. I'm going 180 miles an hour, and I love it. Oh, shit, Paulie. We're off to a good start here. Oh, um, I just started, my brother. All right, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about give – me, give me your take on the national title game. We had Virginia and Texas Tech. Virginia pulls it out, avenges their first-round loss from last year. National champions, how do you feel about how everything went down there? Worst national champions in the last 20 years. What? Come, Come on, on, man. They got dead lucky against against uh, Purdue with a friggin' rebound that went all the way to the mascot, and then it got thrown back, and a guy with white hair throws it in to send it into overtime. What? Then they get a bullcrap foul hair? against you mean Auburn. Diakite? That's blonde, yeah. buddy. Whatever it is, it's, it's bleached, and he looks ugly. Uh, <laughs> they lost against Auburn on a joke of a foul with Guy after a they double beat dribble. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they should have lost to Auburn. They, they lost okay. to Auburn, okay? The double dribble, gone. And then it was literally one of the worst, if not the worst, uh, officiated national title game in my life I've, I've ever seen. Guy traveled over three times. 
Um, there was a phantom foul in that game that CBS decided, you know what, we don't even want to show that because Bill Raftery and Grant Hill were hanging from the officials' nuts, which I could not understand. Um, not one call. You you tell me one call that went Texas Tech's way. Name it. Um, I mean, there was probably one or two down the stretch. But okay, then many. how many went? How many went Virginia's way? A lot. A lot. It was a joke. The last two games, I mean, Bruce Pearl handled it. They both handled it, Chris Beard and, and Bruce Pearl. But here's the deal. I've been in many situations, and I've never won a World Series. I've been in a Game 7. People know that. We lost to the Cardinals. I've been in tight situations. Thanks a lot, Beltron. Yeah, exactly. I'm the one that walked before that Met fans. Remember that. Um, uh, when you have tight games, like what happened to you have to get murdered at the end of the game? For it to be a foul, like now. Well, that how about wasn't last the case in Virginia Auburn. You didn't have okay. to get murdered there. No, exactly. And how about last night, last game of the season? And the guy in Indiana's playing Atlanta. Guy calls a foul with one second left. The game means nothing, and the guy makes all three free throws, and Indiana wins the game. Like the officials have to make an impact. The officials have to be known. It's just like the umpires. Like we're having this issue with Ron Culpa. How are these guys still officiating? Stinks. Oh no, but he incites riots. He's out there to to show the fans, "Hey, come see me." No one gives a shit about Ron Culpa. Did you no ever have any run-ins with Ron Culpa? Oh, 100%. He's a fresh most of the umpires that you get are frustrated athletes. I tweeted it out. He's upset he's not in the big leagues. That's okay. the bottom line. So right, he gets so, to umpire in it. All right, so you're not high on Virginia. I mean, they were the number one defensive team in the country. So I, mean, I get I that, but you're credit. trying to tell me they shouldn't have lost those two games. Polly, whether they should or shouldn't have, they didn't. So, but I mean, were they, what, they were not assisted by the I'm not going to say they should have lost to Texas Tech. Here's because... the problem is you're slanted because you had Virginia in both games. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> exactly. And here's the thing. I even had Auburn to cover. I won that game. I didn't want it to go into overtime. I wanted the kid to make all three free throws. I had under, and I had Auburn. It was the best thing that could have happened to me, but Auburn should have won the game. But as a sportsman, you were upset. Yeah, I'm upset because it's not the right call. Auburn lost their best player. They're on a run of a lifetime, and they got screwed. They got dead screwed. All right, well, that's college basketball. You mentioned Indiana and Atlanta last night, the final night of the NBA regular season. I'm going to ask you a question, Paulie. It's... I mean, it might wind up being rhetorical. Can anybody beat Golden State? No, I, I just don't think so. It's what are they up to now? Minus two fifty? Is it gone up more? I mean, does it matter what the number is? Yeah, I mean, I they're the prohibitive favorite. Let me throw something out at you and see what you think about this. I think there's one team out there that can beat them, and I think it's the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. That's it. You're right. You're right. And the reason I think that is that Sixers team reminds me a little bit of when the Pistons played the Lakers team that had Carl Malone and Gary Payton and they were stacked. Philadelphia has Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, and Joel Embiid. And what that means is they can play any style they want. They can run if they want to run with Golden State. They've got excellent three-point shooting. People don't realize Tobias Harris is a fantastic three-point shooter. I think he was the biggest addition at the trade deadline that nobody really talks about. One of the most underrated. 100%. He is one of the, one of the most underrated, he, and he had his, his coming-out party in Detroit to tell everybody. And let's be honest yeah. here, okay? As much as people like Boogie Cousins, 
he's not going to be able to stop Joel Embiid down low. Now, the Sixers are going to have their hands full in the Eastern Conference, but if they should make it to the finals, I think that's a team that could be able to beat Golden State. I I think I would agree with you there, and the reason why is Jimmy Butler. And I know he's been a malcontent in a lot of different places, but he seems like that guy, he's the mini Dwayne Wade, that when the chips are on the table, he's going to show up. He's got that I don't care, step on the throat attitude. He'll get on these guys. And I think during playoff time, he might make the difference there in Philadelphia. And, and like, how can you take anybody out of the West? Why wouldn't you take somebody nobody. out of the East to at least get There's the, nobody the chance? nobody out of the West. Yeah, and, and you know what, Blackjack? you got to take somebody out of the East to try to beat him because at least you'll get to the finals and get, Houston, a, and get a shot. Houston's shot was last year. They pissed it away. They're not going to beat them this year. The Rockets well, they pissed, team, yes. Listen, the Rockets are not as good this year as they were last year. So no. they're, they're not winning that series. No, they're not. And I don't want to hear about Denver. I like Denver. They're fun. They can't beat Golden State four out of seven. Who else are we talking about? Portland? I mean, like, really? Like, what, what are we doing here? The Western Nothing. Conference is a joke. People talk about how great it is, how stacked it is. You know what? It is a foregone conclusion that the Golden State Warriors are winning that conference. You know the Brooklyn and Philadelphia is starts on uh, Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Yeah, first Half game of the, of the day. starts Saturday. Yeah, and, and I, 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 the way Orlando's playing, I, I'd be a little scared, Paulie, Toronto. No, no. I'm telling you. No, I, I'm not saying that. I'm not Paulie, saying they're going to win. they got fucking Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry. They're one of the deepest teams in the league. They're not getting beat I mean, by Kyle, the Magic. It doesn't. I'm not saying that's going to. I'm saying you could play this game to go, or a series to go a little longer. And Kyle Lowry needs to mix in a salad, okay? <laughs> the chubbiest point guard in the game. Chubbiest. Uh, I mean, have you seen Raymond Felton? Huh? Well, Raymond Felton's 108. Raymond Felton was in the barbershop scene in Coming to America. It, I mean, like, <laughs> John Wall got fat, too. He did? Yeah. No, not John Wall with all that dedication he has. The best back- <laughs> best backcourt of all time? Him and Bradley Beal? <laughs> all right, so that's our NBA talk. Uh, we've also got NHL playoffs going on, Paulie. Tell me, who, who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup? Uh, I have no clue. But Come on, give I me know- a team. All I know is I heard the New York Islanders score from Century City, California. I mean, it was unreal. I, I wish I was there. Hot, baby. They are hot. They are very, very hot. Um, and I'm going to root for them. Although, uh, I, I am rooting for them in the Golden Knights. But I'll tell you there what. There you go. Tam- Tampa Bay is rolling right now. Probably um, they lost last night. I understand. But I think now you can take the value. They lost. And I think now you can get maybe plus value on them. And Listen, they score. Yeah, it's still not going to be plus money. Yeah, they were probably, they were huh? minus four hundred favorites coming into the. Series. I know. So what would they be now? Down twenty five. One ninety five is what I would t- is what yeah, Matt Ford's telling me. Yeah, maybe that's too much in hockey. <laughs> uh, but um, you know what? I'm gonna I, I'm rooting. Hey, for Maddie, the what are the Golden Knights at right now? They lost game one last night. Got their asses beat. Yeah, plus one sixty two. There's the value, buddy. That's right the value. there. No, the Penguins can suck it. The Islanders are going to win that series. Um, the Golden Knights are plus 162. That, that's telling you something right there, that the one team that lost, the Penguins, is 109. That's just all public money because they're just expecting the They don't believe in the two. Islanders. They don't. they don't believe in the power of the Coliseum. They don't. They don't believe the powers of makeshift chairs and broken stuff that's going on there in the Coliseum, even though they fixed it up. Like, Is it, is it like... 
okay to like jog and walk around the Coliseum? Is that a good area? I mean, I've never jogged around the Coliseum. Um, the area around it is not a great area. It's Hempstead. So, um, yeah, I used to stay at the long, uh, long Island Marriott right next to it. Right. With what was that champ sports bar in there? Oh yeah. I've been there a couple of times. They yeah, got I great, imagine you have, Oh, they got a great big salad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's, uh, we're making the rounds here in sports today. So let's keep it going. Baseball. This is Ooh. your bread and butter, brother. What are you noticing here in the second week of the baseball season? What stands well, out to you? That I'm getting crushed. All right. Other uh, than your personal gambling, Paul, I'm what getting, stands out to you? Runs. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, two days a lot, ago. A lot of runs. You're right. Two days ago, Blackjack, 14 games. 12 games went over. And one of the games that went under was the Colorado game that was set at 11. And they scored eight runs or 10 and a half. And they scored eight runs. Yesterday calmed a little bit i think it was like eight and six but the bullpens are awful um i i know john Heyman, who i respect uh he tweeted out yesterday like why isn't anybody signed craig kimbrell well money's yep. an issue but and he was he stated like seven teams bullpens like you could go over 15 teams bullpens they are just atrocious atrocious and here's the thing tell me the thing. it is that all these agents and all these teams are were so worried about collusion and so worried. well I told you from the beginning the ball has been juiced it's an absolute joke there are balls Dodger Stadium is a launching pad I watched Jake Jacob Degrom he gave up four home runs to dead center field at City Field yeah that shocking okay now let me to the Minnesota Twins okay this is let me put things into perspective fucking Byron Buxton. Dead center field at City Field and Shea Stadium is about the same. It's a graveyard. That that was Carlos Delgado land, Sean Green land, not Kiki Hernandez and these kind of guys lands. Okay, these there, there's guys hitting balls 500 feet, while guys that were on rocket fuel back in the day weren't even hitting the ball that far. So, and they're scoring. Did all you these ever runs. hit one out to dead center in, in Shea or City? In City, one time. And it was the best ball I ever hit in my life. Now, who'd you hit it off of? Oh, uh, come on. Uh, Dig. I'm digging. And it's um, Bobby Jones, who threw the gem in the World Series, which a lot of people forget about, at about 78 miles an hour, uh, I think was a trade. And I don't know who he came up with, but I want to say Bobby Jones. He was with the Rockies the African-American Bobby Jones, but I want to say you originally signed with <laughs> All right, let's, the Mets. All right, so you hit one out there. All right, let's move on here. Um, I'm going to give you three teams that have started the year out very poorly, and I want you to tell me which one you have the most concerns about right now. Well, you and, have to have concerns. These, hold on. I haven't given you the teams yet. These are all three-win teams. The Colorado Rockies at 3-9. and nine. The Chicago Cubs at three and eight, and the Boston Red Sox at three and nine. Which one should I be most concerned about? Hmm. Well, I would say probably the Cubs because um, I think they're toast anyway. Um, when you Why? look at, well, listen, John Lester. How much more can you get out of John Lester? I mean, Jose Quintana has not thrown well, and. 
the problem that I have with all this, usually in April, it's cold. It has not been a cold April. That's why you're seeing a lot of runs. And the Cubs are still struggling hitting-wise, uh, but their pitching is just giving up way too many runs. Their bullpen's a mess. And then the Red Sox. Uh, listen, Chris Sale is – I just – Paul, I mentioned to well, let me ask history. you this. In all seriousness, he looks kind of shot right now. And, like, people have compared it to previous springs in the past – it's not the same. I mean, he's got nothing on this fastball. How in the hell do the Red Sox give him a five-year extension when he's throwing nothing right now? Like, what? what is going on? I think you, here's, here's what's going on. He went under the scope. Okay, for you to sign a contract that big, you got to go through a physical. So he obviously went through the MRI. There's no structural damage in his elbow or there's no structural damage, maybe, uh, in his, or in his shoulder, or they wouldn't have given him the money. The problem is he's now dealing with dead arm. And then I see people uh, like Carabas who are Red Sox saying, oh, did Chris Hill hit 95, all you guys shut the fuck up. Uh, let me give you a little secret, okay? Kevin Brown, towards the end of his career, when I was catching him, he looked up at the miles per hour constantly because – he would want to know how hard he was throwing, how, right. how his ball was sinking, this and that. And it used to bug the hell out of me because when he would hit 91, 92, he knew that he just didn't have that extra umph anymore and he was starting to get hit. So I went up to the freaking guy that does the miles per hour thing and said, listen, every time he throws a fastball, will you please put 96 or 97 up there so I don't have to so we'll just keep his confidence up and he thinks he's throwing that hard? Because... If he hold on, keeps... wait a second, wait a yes, second. Yes, this is a true story. You actually manipulated the gun reading at yep. a ballpark. Yep. For so Kevin that my Brown, pitcher would stop looking just at because it. Kevin Brown was such a delicate mental figure that you felt the need to have that. Yes, gun so show I wanted 96, the ninety-seven. I wanted the confidence in his head that, like, okay, I got and my they 96, did it. 97. Yes, they did it. Jesus, but that's what you sometimes listen. The mental psyche of a pitcher, like. It doesn't matter if you throw – okay, I'm not going to say that. It matters if you throw 99, but, like, you can still get guys out. He had so much movement at 91, 92. Sometimes when the ball's thrown a little bit harder at 98, 99, the movement gets taken out of it. So when he threw 91, 92, I actually sometimes liked him a little bit better because his split finger and his sinker moved a little bit more. But he had such this mental block that he had to throw 95, 96, 97, and he would look up after every pitch – and then, so then I would find the, what was the tick in his mind? I'm like, what do you want to hit? He goes, I, my fastball, if my fastball is at 96, my split finger is like around 85, 84, and my slider's around 89, I'm great. I literally wrote all those down and told the guy, this is what you're going to put every time he throws it. I, I just, I can't believe that this actually happened. Like, well, I mean, listen, he, it's kind of brilliant on your part. I mean, to just get inside his head and make him confident, but, like, I just I, – I, I can't really believe any of it. I well, mean, I believe it, but that, – that's you. Sometimes you have to do things like that to get your pitcher to respond because at, there's, there's times you walk out in the mound and you'll look at a pitcher and he'll look right through you. You ever get that look where somebody looks at you and they're not really looking at you? They're just – they're on an island. And yeah, I've they're had that lost from people before. <laughs> they're lost on an island. Maybe present company. Yeah, and you're and you're you're part psychiatrist. So 
I remember like I went to the mountain one day and he was like, God, my fastball is dead. Does it seem like it's dead? I'm like, I'm like, KB, it's fine. It is fine. Stop looking at the radar. And then I just like, it started bugging me so much that him paying attention to that was not paying attention to the next pitch. Um, so I just decided to do that. And I remember I told, I told Tracy, I told, uh, our manager, I'm like, listen, I'm telling the gun guy. So if it looks like he's hitting 97, he's not, but uh, all right. So let me ask you a question in that vein. You're talking about playing psychiatrist a little bit. Chris Davis, what in the hell does that guy have to do to hit a baseball? Go down to the minor leagues. You think so? Let me tell you something. If the guy was not making, what's his contract? He's making a ton of money. Oh, he'd be in the minor leagues. If he but was, do you oh, think that will really help him? Like, what? How do you start no, a season? But Paul, how do? You, but but at some point, my daughter started the season over fifty. I could guy could hit left handed right, and get but to Paul. Hits. At some point, Chris Davis was able bunt. to hit a baseball at a reasonably acceptable clip, and now he can't make contact. Lay like, what bunt. is what's wrong with him? He stinks. In he didn't deserve the money with Paul Laduca. <laughs> His, his bat stays in the zone for maybe a second. People talk about flat bat or whatever. He swings straight up. So basically, his, his swing path is in the zone for maybe less than half a second. Okay, that's so he, it needs to click. I'd have to show it to you on video, but his swing's awful. I understand you go in ruts, this and that, um, but a rut of 0 for 55 and you got a poor kid in AAA, I don't care about the money. That's what performance is called. He should not be in the lineup. Do you lineup. think him going down to the minor leagues will help him at all? Yes, he needs confidence. He needs to start hitting some home runs. People have done it. People have been sent back down to the minor leagues. He's not going to go there forever. Go there for two, three weeks. But if he keeps striking out in the minor leagues, what the fuck is he going to do for you in the big leagues? Yeah, I mean it's 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 a historically bad start to a season. Send him back to I mean, A ball too. Forty nine at this point. Fifty one. Send him back to A ball to get like more at that. O for fifty one. I, I mean, mean like, how do you do? I mean, Paul. I mean, is there? Tell everybody how hard that is. Like fifty one at bats without a hit. You don't just run into one by accident. Exactly. It's almost as bad as Jason Kendall one year had six hundred at bats and didn't hit a home run. Wow. You would think you'd run into one ball, right? Like, I mean, anything, and it's like a loop. I mean, an infield single, like okay. Something. So he's he's zero for fifty one. How many times has he struck out? Hold on, Matt Ford's researching it right now. Hold on, I heard a shit. <laughs> Come on, uh, we're gonna keep talking while he looks it up. Just gonna kill the airtime here. It's okay. Maddie's researching. Chris Davis. Slowly. Chris Davis with the K. Fifteen. <laughs> Fifteen strikeouts this season. And so, how many at bats has he had this season? Twenty-nine I mean, at bats I mean, this season. I mean, are you half of the time this fucking for a fucking real? I struck out 30 times in 2001 well, with Paul, you're 400 a legendary hitter. I it mean, doesn't matter. If you are a major league player making that much money and you're striking out more than half the time? 
Woo! How, how are you in the major leagues? And there's probably What's some poor kid sitting in triple A going, uh, can I get traded? 171 what? 170 million. Somebody paid a hundred and sixty million dollars. Holy shit! So he struck out twenty-seven times, times in- over fifty-one at bats. So there you go. So the other twenty-four times he's put it in play. That's insane. So for him not to get lucky once, I get it, but. For those 24 times, for him to get to basically 200, he's got to get four fucking hits. If you're the Orioles, do you like offer this guy like $50 million just to fake his own death? <laughs> like just cash? No, you, no, 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 no. You like sever his Achilles so that insurance can pay for it. Sever his Achilles. <laughs> so does he need to be like careful in the clubhouse? I would be very careful because, like, um, Especially, you know, I'm sure the Mets were praying that David Wright didn't come back so he didn't have to pay that. They He came back for that one game. They probably had to pay him. But I I wish this upon nobody. But there, you cannot tell me there's somebody in that organization that wishes that he does not get hurt so insurance can pay for that contract. Because I, I he might – I mean, like, I don't know if they're going to keep running him out there. This might be worse than the Bobby Bonilla contract. This is atrocious. I just, but it's baseball. Like, in that's what baseball is. They don't care about the strikeout anymore. They've scored record runs, and you know what the the, the batting average is in the league? Still two forty. Polly, all right, we're gonna move on from baseball before we get to our favorite time of the week. I've got one quick question for you, okay? Because uh, we're covering all sports right here. Saturday, Arkansas Derby down at Oaklawn. Who you got? Uh, I, Omaha Beach is going to be too. tough in there. Um, I know Improbable with the other Baffert, but Improbable can suck it. I'm on Omaha Beach. I'm with you too. Uh, I like the way he held off game winner, and I thought game winner might have hung a little bit in that race. Mike but Smith, then, brother. I'm not betting against Mike Smith in these races. No, but you know what? Game winner was like five wide in the Santa Anita Derby, and then Mike Smith wrote atrocious. Ran. How that yeah. horse got a terrible. I, let me just say this about game winner: those of you who are not interested in horse racing, get interested because you can make more money there than anywhere else. Um, game winner, I've been more impressed with him in his two losses than in the wins. Yeah, and here's the pickle: Mike Smith needs to be on that horse. If Mike Smith yes, was on that, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. If Mike Smith was on that horse, but he, let me ask you this. But then, then Mike Smith beats him with Roadster because the horse got a bad been, ride. Game winner's been beaten twice by Omaha Beach and Roadster, both ridden by Mike Smith. Yep. But if Omaha Beach wins the Arkansas Derby, is Mike Smith really not taking that mount in the Kentucky Derby? Giving, giving maybe a little bit of a middle finger to Bob Baffert, like, hey, you I don't took me think off you game can. winner. Fuck you. I don't think you can. Here's the deal. Omaha Beach is trained by legendary trainer Richard Mandela. And then Baffert has Roadster and he has Game Winner. And Mike has ridden Arrowgate, you know, um, Justify, uh, um, you name it. Like, Mike he's won up- everything there is to win. For Bob, he doesn't have tie- that much ties. Now, he's ridden some great horses for Mandela in the past, but not as many for Bob. So I would think. 
the ties would go to Bob and, and Richard would probably understand that. Um, but also if Omaha beach blows out the Arkansas Derby, Mike's going to have a tough decision because I know roadster is the real, let me tell you something. There's three horses that can, I don't buy win roadster. The, there's three horses that can win the Kentucky tell Derby. I'm telling you right now, it. it's going to be Omaha. It's somebody tweeted out the other day. There's 14 horses in the bluegrass or whatever. And there's 10 horses in the wood Memorial the other way around. And there's only six in the, in the, whatever in the Santa Anita Derby. I'll take the two in the Santa Anita Derby over those 24 in Omaha beach. Right. Those three horses well, let me tell you, are the three horses that are going to win the Derby. First roadsters, not winning the Kentucky Derby. Second, you know, uh legendary Game winner is going to win the Kentucky Jergens, Derby. You know him? Yeah. He says Omaha beach. I ran into him in Keeneland. No big deal. Whatever. He says Omaha Beach is the finest horse he's ever laid his eyes on. Alan Jerkins? Yeah. Wow. Alan Jerkins a, at Keeneland uh, said Omaha uh, Beach is the finest horse he's ever laid his eyes on. And people don't know who Alan Jerkins is as a legend. So I think So the reason why I like Omaha Beach and the I think last it's thing Omaha I'll say Beach horse racing, game winner. That's what I think. Because he he was never letting game winner by where game winner fought the whole way i thought game winner might be a little bit of a hanger he's not omaha beach was not letting him by no and then he ran he he ran his balls off in the santa Anita derby just got a bad ride so i think omaha beach is the real deal i'm with you all right so we're on omaha beach in the arkansas derby on saturday at oaklawn now it's time for everyone's favorite part of their week story time with paul laduca we've got two for you today paulie uh let's start with you telling us about a little scam you used to pull on your minor league teammates to make some bread. Yeah, this is a, a story my father reminded me of uh, two nights ago, which is pretty crazy. We were talking, actually, about the Arkansas Derby. So um, when I was in the minor leagues in Bakersfield, uh, you know, you're making $850 a month when you sign. You got four guys in an apartment, so you had to try to make some extra money. And I had pulled this trick a couple times in college. And it was called the Swami, sort of like, you know, Berman was on ESPN. So what we would do is, is the trick was pretty simple. So we're playing, I want to say it was the high desert at the time. They were the high desert Mavericks. I was in the Cal League. Um, um, one of the other guys on that team I had played with in college. So they all came over to my place to come, you know, party. So there's like about eight of us in there and, and I always would wait till we all got really, really salty. Well, there was a Canadian pitcher on that team that was a bonus baby. And he was doing all these card tricks and he was popping off. And we were playing cards for money, this and that. And he, you know, he started to get a little bit, you know, salty after he had a couple beers, talking a lot of crap. And he was a bonus baby um, from, from Vancouver. So I said to him, I go, hey. I bet you, you know, 300 bucks, I can get a guy, you pick out any card out of that deck, um, I'll get a guy on the phone that can guess the card without me saying anything for 300 bucks. And he goes, you're full of shit, man. Stop, stop bamboozling me. And I'm like, I'm not full of shit, bro. Do you want to do this or not? You've been talking shit all night. Um, we're playing poker basically for pennies. We're not making nothing. You got $300 in your pocket? And he goes, do you have $300 in your pocket? I said, no. I said, I'll go to the ATM right now. <laughs> Ran to the ATM, got the $300. And I said, now do we want this on? He goes, yeah. So 
But what happened was the guy picked the card. It was the nine of clubs. So now me and my father is the Swami. So we, we had <laughs> this family down. hustle. Yes, it's a family hustle. And what we would do is I would call my father. It didn't matter what time. So now it's like three in the morning and I call. I'm like, hello. So I, I, I remember calling and going, Swami. And as soon as I said, Swami, my dad's half asleep. He's like, Ugh. Spade. he goes, um, ace, two, three, four, all the way till he gets to nine. And I'm like, Swami, is that you? And he goes, spades hearts diamonds clubs i'm like swami there's a guy here that thinks that you can't guess this card so now my father has given me the code i have not said nothing and he knows it's the nine of clubs now here's the key this is 1994 i'm in the cow league there's no cell phones back then and you're on a landline so for this to work you you gotta you gotta hit another number before they hit redial because then they're going to find out who the swami is. So now I give the phone to the guy and my the guy has it on speakerphone now. And my dad's telling him, hey, son of a bitch, I can't see the card. Hold the card up to the phone. To a landline phone. To a landline phone. And he goes, it's the nine of clubs. Pay the guy. And hung up the phone. So I grabbed the phone real quick and dialed 411 and he, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so they couldn't when, redial and get your So they couldn't number. redial. So that was part of the trick. Well, this one time I couldn't do it. And he hit redial and he got the, he got our family answering machine. So now he knows, oh shit, I got just bamboozled by him and his dad, who's the Swami that read the card through the phone and I just took the three hundred dollars, and we just—I just booked. I booked down the lane. I was jumping fences. I was <laughs> in backyards. I was coming back and forth. Why didn't you just give him the three hundred dollars back? Because he lost the bet. The guy guessed the card. <laughs> yeah, but you fucking rigged it. It didn't matter. He hit redial. He's like, <laughs> he's like, oh, with the Swami's your father? I'm like, I don't know. That was the last thing I dialed yesterday morning when we came back. This and that. I had to come back. You to the were just apartment. on the phone. <laughs> exactly. But I worked it. Uh, all right. So that's that's story number one. Story number two involves Kevin Brown and David Ross, if I'm not mistaken, during your time with the Dodgers, right? Yeah, this is uh, David. I actually uh, DM David and uh, on Twitter and then I texted him and um, he's going to come on the program either next week or the week after because I was asking about this story to make sure it was him. And he goes, yeah, he remembers it vividly. And uh, we were driving. Um, we had a road trip. I was like Toronto, Detroit. We were driving from Toronto um, to Detroit. And it was a family trip. So the wives were on the first bus and all the players were on the second bus. Well, the first bus with all the wives, it was very calm. The second bus that... The guys that didn't bring their wives was getting pretty rowdy. They were getting drunk. And so Kevin Brown calls the traveling secretary at the time, who was Sean Rochow, and goes, hey, all of us are hungry on this back bus. How much longer we got? And he's like, we got an hour and a half. 
He's like, all right, we're stopping. Or there's a Burger King in two miles. Um, we're going to stop and, and I'm going to buy everybody food. And Sean goes, it's three in the morning. And Kevin, bro- Kevin goes, I don't care. Stop the buses. So Kevin made the buses stop. Now, the rookies at the time were David Ross. So he sent David Ross in to a Whopper. I don't even know where we were. Into between a Burger Detroit, King. Into a Burger King. Between Toronto and Detroit. I don't even know where we're at. Do you know what and country to, you were in? No. To order over 200 Whoppers. Okay. David Ross comes walking back out and says, um, they are heating up the grill, but it's going to take them over an hour to an hour and a half to make 200 Whoppers. There's only two people there. There's no way they can get this done. So Kevin Brown's drunk and he's like, we're staying, we're eating. Well, now the traveling secretary is like, no, this is not happening. We are getting out of here. There's room service when we get back to, we get to the hotel. So, the family bus takes off. The player bus, there's guys outside of the player bus. As the, They're supposed to be following each other. There's no such thing as, like, you know, maps on phones at this time. Like, you got to, like... So now the players jump back on the bus and start following the family bus. And Kevin is pissed. He's calling, why didn't we, why didn't we eat? And, and you could... I could hear Rochow, our traveling secretary, going, bro, we got to get to the hotel to get to sleep it's making me like, really want a whopper right so now we get back we get to the hotel we're in detroit now at five in the morning or four in the morning i want to say and kevin brown comes off the back bus now when you get to a major league hotel your traveling secretary has all the keys goes so what he does is he goes straight to the hotel he has this whole package with all the keys and he lays them all out. Out of the corner of my eye, I see Kevin and he's raging and he's got a Bud Light in one hand and a Coors Light in the other. And the Coors Light is open and full and Rochow just starts running towards the hotel. Kevin Brown threw a 99 mile an hour fastball with that Coors Light and drilled him right in the straight in the back. What? He 100%. hit the traveling secretary in the back with a Coors Light? I mean, smoked him. I mean, it's like he got shot, really, like literally from a tower. Down goes Frazier. Jesus, right? So he gets up. We're all dying laughing because we know what it's about. Because he didn't stop at Burger King. He didn't wait. So we all get our keys, and I'm sitting there just waiting because I, I got to see how this plays out. And um. I, we always would, Kevin would always get the suite. So he was the last person. So everybody goes up to their room and now room service. He goes, Hey, is room service open? And the lady goes, no. And now he's even more fuming. He goes, what time does it open? And the lady goes, it opens at six o'clock. And it was, I think at four fifteen at this time. Um, and he goes, I'd like to order some breakfast for myself. Cause obviously he was starving. Then he ordered breakfast at 6, 6.15, all the way up to 9 o'clock, every 15 minutes on the dial <laughs> to the traveling secretary's room to wake him up. Wow. He really did not like that guy, did he? 
No, he. I mean, it was over. I mean, like it didn't matter what he was making, but he probably it was like over three hundred dollars in breakfast he sent to his room, and like they the, and he tipped the lady at the front desk was like what, and he goes, "Where is the kitchen people? Are they here?" She goes, Jesus. "No." He goes, he pulled two hundred dollars out of the pocket, and he goes, "Give this to the lady." And make sure she keeps delivering them because he was afraid they were just going to stop delivering right. them. And like, if you went on his floor, there was literally ten trays of breakfast sitting outside of his. Holy room. shit! How yes. did he respond to that the next day? You don't respond to Kevin Brown. You just take really? it. Really? Did you, did, well, did let, you he, just take it from Kevin Brown? Yeah, he was the man. I didn't give a shit as long as he won us twenty games. You can throw beers at anybody. Did he ever throw a beer at you? No, but he told me one time, I'll never forget, I, I, he kept shaking me off and shaking me off and shaking me off. And then I went to the mountain one time. It was like I was a rookie. And I, I said, uh, uh, what do you want to throw here? And he told me, why don't you just fucking go back down there and throw down the fingers and I'll decide. I'm like, okay, Mr. Brown. Wow. <laughs> so did you guys but get then, along or? But, but then after that, yeah. Then like, like he was – he. He got sort of labeled as such a dick. Kevin Brown has a reputation of being kind of an asshole, and he sounds kind of like an asshole from this story. But, like, he was such a good asshole. Like, I can't explain it. Paul, what makes someone a good asshole? A guy that puts on his spikes, that's making a hunt, what he was making, puts on his spikes every day at 630, even when he's not pitching. So he showed up for work? Congratulations. Strode up for stretching every day. The two most professional guys I ever played with were him and Ke- and Tom Glavin. Two rock stars. Tom Glavin can suck it. Okay, I get it. It's the last you met fans with the last game, forget it. But two guys that were dominant showed up for stretching. Was always out there for the first pitch. Kevin would have his his um, cleats on, and he would try to figure out if he could see if the pitchers were pitching, uh, tipping their pitches. And you know what else I loved about him? He was the worst hitter I ever saw. And he would actually go down to the cage and work on his hitting day after day and became actually a pretty good hitter. He was a an intense teammate. When he pitched, you did not talk to him. But he was a teammate you wanted because you won. You know what I mean? He's the kind of guy you like on your team. You hate if he's on another team. 100%. That's nail on head right there. All right. That feels like a good place to wrap this up. Thank you, everybody, for listening to The Favorites. Please download, subscribe, leave reviews on Apple Podcasts. We're also available on radio.com slash the Action Network and anywhere else you get your podcasts. For Paul LaDuca, I'm Blackjack Fletcher. Until next time. Love you.